Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Here early in their time together, uncertain of what to say or do, and not knowing how they should pray, they ask Jesus, their new teacher, to teach them. And so this is what he tells them. Pray that God's kingdom might come and that God's will might be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, three years later, when our scripture lesson for today picks up, these same disciples sit scared and uncertain in a closed room in Jerusalem, once more not knowing what to say or do or how exactly to pray. When last they saw Jesus, just before his ascension into heaven, he had told them to come here and wait. And so that is what they have done. They have come here and waited. For what? They are not exactly sure. But of this, however, they are quite sure. He expects them to soon go forth and do that which he himself had previously been doing. That is, he expects them to soon go forth and begin demonstrating signs of God's kingdom. He expects them to soon go forth and begin making it ever more on earth as it is in heaven. And of this they are terrified. Not because they don't pine for the reality of God's coming kingdom. And not because they don't share Jesus' commitment to making it more on earth as it is in heaven but simply because they know that so many others don't. And simply because they have seen what those did to Jesus for it. And so it is that they now sit here, huddled together in this room in Jerusalem, uncertain about what might be coming next, and terrified of the powers and the principalities that dominate the world just outside their locked door. And so having said that, I want us on this Pentecost 2020 to really picture these disciples sitting here together. In fact, I want us to try to be these disciples for just a moment. I want us as them to reflect back now on all we have seen and experienced with Jesus. You follow that? First of all, I want us to reflect back on those three years that we spent following this remarkable man all across Judea. And how in that time we watched him perform miracles and we saw him confront corrupt leaders and we saw him reinterpret restrictive laws and we saw him prioritize people like us over powerful people like them. And thus, I want us to remember how in that time we saw him really show signs of God's kingdom here on earth. And of how consequently we came to place our hopes in him. Of how somewhere along the way we came to think that perhaps he might really be the one to usher in a new day. 
of how we thought he might actually be the one our nation had been waiting for all this time. But then no sooner had we come to believe that, you will recall, than we watched him die at the hands of the very people we hoped he'd overcome. And so with his death, we therefore went through a time of agonizing despair. Agonizing. But then, right there in the midst of these emotions, we saw this same man rise from the dead. That is, we quite literally watched this man appear to us in our midst, telling us to wipe our eyes and be of good cheer, offering us peace. And if only you'll recall the excitement we felt just then. For even though we couldn't fathom how this thing had happened, it seemed in that moment abundantly clear to us what its happening must mean. It must mean, we reasoned then, that he would now bring about the promised new day. It must mean, we reasoned then, that he would now usher in the kingdom of God. It must mean, we reasoned then, that peace would finally now prevail and that justice was about to finally begin rolling down like water. And so this is what we expected to happen as we journeyed with him out of Jerusalem. Remember? We really thought right then that we were about to see the kingdom of God come in power. But then instead, just as we reached the summit of Mount Olive, he told us he loved us, and then he blessed us, and then he told us that signs of his coming kingdom were now our responsibility, and then just like that, he was gone. And so do you remember how daunted we all felt in that moment? Do you remember how crestfallen we were as it registered with us that he was not going to do this thing right now, and what's more, how intimidated we were by the suggestion that we somehow were supposed to begin doing it ourselves. Do you remember that? I'm sure you do. How could you forget? And let us make no mistake, Jesus knew we felt this way. He could see the fear and the reluctance and the overwhelm written plainly on our faces. And so that, you'll recall, is when he said that enigmatic thing to us, when he said to us, stay there in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high, whatever that means. And then just like that, he was gone. You do all remember that, right? Well, that was, of course, 40 days ago now. So here we now are sitting together still in this locked room here in Jerusalem, all of us together in one place, all of us remembering those final words, all of us aware that he expects us to carry on his mission, but not a single one of us knowing how we're supposed to do it. So here we now sit. So here we now wait for what we know not what, but in fear we do now tremble. And so follow me here, for here comes the story of Pentecost. Suddenly, as we sit together in this locked room, 
As we all sit together in fear and in trembling, suddenly we all feel something very strange come over us. Yes, to no one's surprise more than our own, suddenly we feel God's Spirit filling us in a direct and profound and undeniable way. For whereas just seconds ago we were terrified and anxious, now each of us feels our fear being replaced by courage and feels our uncertainty being replaced by direction. And thus, whereas we once felt the need to lock these doors, to remain trapped here in silence and in fear, now we can't help but throw these doors open and rush outside. Now we can't help but run out to the streets. Now we can't help but go out and proclaim the news of God's coming kingdom. Now we can't help but go out and demonstrate signs of heaven's way beginning to infuse the earth right here. And so here now is the Pentecost question. Here now is the question we as newly inspired disciples must answer. Is this new courage because we now know something we didn't know before? Is this new vigor and sense of purpose due to some novel insight we've just had? No. No, it's simply that now, through this inexplicable yet undeniable infusion of God's Spirit, now we suddenly feel emboldened to go and tell everyone what we already did know, which is that Jesus Christ was not only raised from the dead, but that because He was, He now is in charge of the world. And that because he is the kingdom that he proclaimed, that the kingdom that he taught us to pray for and live for and strive for and die for is the way of being that absolutely must prevail here on earth. And not just some future day, but now, today. And that despite all evidence to the contrary, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and not Augustus Caesar. Suddenly, our experiential awareness of this fact has set us free. Suddenly, Christ's liberating spirit has come upon us like tongues of fire, burdening us with the urgency to go and speak God's good news to the world. And so follow me closely now because this is the crucial part. This is where the story of those disciples then becomes the story of us today in 2020. Suddenly, according to the text, through the power of God's Spirit, these disciples realized that they really were capable of turning the world upside down. Suddenly, these disciples realized that they really could make it more on earth as it is in heaven. Suddenly, these disciples realized that they didn't have to wait for Jesus to do it all for them in the future because Jesus intended for them to begin doing it right now. Yes, what we must understand today is that what those disciples realized on that day of Pentecost is the very same thing that God is calling us to realize on this day of Pentecost, which is that the power of Christ's Spirit, if we'll but allow it, will infuse our mortal bones opening our eyes to the ways the earth is askew from the ways of heaven and emboldening us to live in such a way that God's kingdom might come today in power.
Friends, none of us is living underneath a rock. We all know that as I preach this sermon, we are seeing manifest signs of just how far earth is askew from the ways of heaven. We've all seen the horrific footage of the killing of George Floyd. We've all seen the images of cities across the nation burning in protest. We've all heard the cries of the African-American community begging us to recognize that this is not a one-off incident. We have all heard the protest against these more violent forms of protest. We've seen it all. We've heard it all. We've read it all. And our hearts are heavy and our emotions are running high and we don't know what we should or what we even could do about it. All we do know is that a grown man calling out for his mother while a knee presses the last gasp from his mortal body is not a sign of heaven on earth. And that bricks being thrown through store windows in anger and outrage is not a sign of heaven on earth. And that such painful conflict between human beings all born in the image of God is not a sign of heaven on earth. And that the perpetuation of that conflict through systems that either intentionally or unintentionally entrench it is not a sign of heaven on earth. And so in the end, this is about all we do know right now. That while we sit here, out there is a world that desperately needs an infusion of heaven on earth. And so how very terrifying and overwhelming for us then that Pentecost arrives today to remind us as Christian disciples that we are the ones called to go out there and infuse it. There's a scene in C.S. Lewis's children's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, when out at sea and in the midst of deep fear and uncertainty, the heroine Lucy whispers to Aslan, 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 if ever you loved us, send help now. And no sooner has she prayed that prayer than the members aboard the ship suddenly see a graceful bird alight atop the ship's mast. And they marvel at this beautiful bird as it perches there regally looking down upon them. And then Lewis writes, and I quote, but no one except Lucy knew that as the bird circled the mast, it whispered to her, courage, dear heart. And that voice she felt sure was Aslan's voice. And with the voice, a delicious breath had breathed on her face. Courage, dear heart, it whispered. And then breathed upon her. Out at sea and in the midst of deep fear and uncertainty ourselves, this we pray on this Pentecost 2020 as our nation burns and as relationships within it strain to a breaking point. Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, if ever you loved us, send help now. This we pray and then add to it that which Christ taught his first disciples to pray and those times when they themselves knew not what to say or do. And your kingdom come, we pray. And your will be done. 
here on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, there is a world outside our doors that desperately needs us to rush into the streets, denouncing injustice in all its forms and doing whatever needs to be done so as to bring about peace and reconciliation in our world. For there is a world outside our doors that right now bears not the mark of heaven on earth. And we as Christ followers have been called to make certain that it does. So once more in our fear and our uncertainty, we cry out, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, if ever you loved us, send help now. And if only we will have eyes to see and ears to hear and spirits to discern. Surely a sweet breath will come over us, whispering to us as it does, courage, dear hearts. For in the end, friends, this is the Pentecost promise. That when bound by fear and trepidation and overwhelm, we who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord will be clothed with power from on high being suddenly emboldened to go forth and make it more on earth as it is in heaven. Can you feel that, Boulevard? Oh, I sure hope you can. For that is the very Spirit of God being breathed over us this Pentecost, empowering us to stand up against every power and principality that stands in the way of God's purposes, Proclaiming unequivocally that God's is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that anything that stands in its way is antichrist and anathema. Oh, might we today hear that gentle spirit as it whispers to us. Courage, dear hearts. And might that spirit inspire us the way it inspired those disciples so long ago for we really could turn the world upside down, if so. Courage, dear hearts. Amen.